0: Hello and welcome to the Autoimmune Remission Podcast. My goal is to help you cut through the confusion, create clarity and gain momentum on your path to autoimmune remission. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Autoimmune Remission Podcast. Today, I wanna have a deeply personal conversation with you. I wanna walk you through my 20 year history of autoimmune disease from diagnosis to rock bottom to my current state of remission. And my goal here is not to gloat or anything like that. I want you to avoid the same mistakes that I made. And what I can tell you, and the reason I'm making this podcast, this episode in particular, is when I meet with new clients, when I meet with my consultations, they're typically making the same mistakes I did. We all do the same things. And I want you to reach your goals more quickly and with less effort. And that's the purpose of today's conversation. Learn from my mistakes, because you'll see this was not a straight line. It was fraught with ups and downs. I made so many mistakes, so hopefully I can help you avoid making the same mistakes I did. And before we begin, I have a request. My request would be for you to take 30 seconds and subscribe to the show and to review it. There is nothing you could do that would be more helpful than that. This podcast is made completely free. I'm taking time to give this gift to you because I care so much about remission. So if you could do one thing for me, that would be tremendously helpful would be to do just that, subscribe, rate, and review. And I would be eternally grateful if you did that. Okay, so let's dive into my conversation today, my 20-year history of autoimmune disease so you can learn from my mistakes. And before we dive into where I really started making adjustments and the exact strategies I took and the exact strategies I avoided, I wanna give you just a brief backstory so this will all make more sense. I was originally diagnosed at age 11. It was more than 20 years ago, well over at this point now. And it was quite a scary process. For anybody that's gone through an autoimmune diagnosis, you know how confusing this process can be. Doctors aren't quite sure what's going on. Blood work is all over the place. There's so many concerns of what the disease or what you could be going through. And a lot of people walk away from many doctor's appointments without a clear path forward. And this was the case for me at 11 years old and really from when I was 10 to 11 to 12 years old. There were concerns about cancer. And I had to say, so I, had, I and I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. So the, the concerns would have been colon cancer or somewhere else, somewhere in my stomach, because I had blood in my stool, urgency to go. And you know, the same symptoms that everybody else with, out of, with, with ulcerative colitis has, and it was tough to live a middle schooler's life, you know, needing to know where a bathroom was all the time. My entire life was also defined by being an athlete. So it was tough for me to play my sports when I was right at my diagnosis, because that's when my symptoms were at, were at their peak. At the time, I also had an enlarged spleen, (laughs) which was a medical mystery. Not people weren't quite sure why it was enlarged, but we knew that it was growing. So we monitored it over the course of a couple of years. And eventually the, the decision was made to remove it because there was nothing we can do to decrease it, to to decrease its size. It was going to rupture at some point. It was like a balloon with too much air, and that would have ruptured my stomach. And this was also really impacting my quality of life. Again an athlete, a student, a kid, and I couldn't play many games. I couldn't play my sports because if I were to get a, a bump or an elbow or a baseball hit into that area, I could have ruptured my spleen and it could have been emergency surgery at that point. So these, these two events really largely define my life for so many years. And certainly this portion of my life, the splenectomy and the ulcerative colitis, And after that splenectomy, I had such a poor immune system, right? The spleen is highly involved in the immune regulation, the immune response. So I was always getting sick, lots of doctor's visits, lots of medications and antibiotics. So it was a really trying time fast forward seven or eight years. You know, I get through high school, I'm going to college, I played baseball in college. So again, these three events all kind of circulate together. My, my athletic career, ulcerative colitis. The splenectomy, still getting sick throughout college. As you can imagine a new student going to dorm rooms and the first couple of years were tough. But, you know, eventually I got to college. I graduated. Baseball ends. And then I'm in an identity crisis. Who am I without this thing? I can't just be a kid with ulcerative colitis or without a spleen. I have to find out who I am. So you know, Much like so many people that their career ends or they get a divorce or, you know, their kids go to college, whatever it is, you lose that sense of identity. And I've felt in a depressed state for quite a long period of time. And so many of my friends went through the same things to where they relied on alcohol and going out every night to make themselves feel happier, or at least numb the pain. I fortunately found a love for fitness at this point. And this is, this is not something that existed before. And I started falling more and more in love with it. And that's when I became a personal trainer because I just thought it would be awesome. I thought it'd be cool. And it was, and I really enjoyed that time. And during that time, I worked with one of my peers with where I was working, a registered dietitian. And we, we became friendly and she recommended that I get off my medications. Mesalamine is what I was on at the time. That I could live a life without medications That I could control this with diet and lifestyle alone, which I think is fine advice. But my diet and lifestyle were just not set up for success at that time. Most they were healthier than most, my diet and lifestyle, but they were not set up for me to really try and get off my medications at that time. Yeah, I much like most kids my age you know fresh out of college i was still going out on the weekends binge drinking too much not sleeping enough eating better again than most but not you know if that kid then was my client now we would have made some dramatic adjustments to diet nutrition lifestyle to make sure that this change try to get off medications was sustainable and it wasn't and for a few years i was off meds and not seeing my gastroenterologist regularly not getting checkups again <laughs> much like any kid in his mid twenties. And eventually we came to a point where I finally got back in touch with my gastroenterologist, wanted to take my health seriously. We got a colonoscopy and the results were not good. I had pancolitis, meaning inflammation throughout the entire large intestine, not just located to one area. And the inflammation was moderate to severe. So I wasn't in remission, although I felt pretty good. Yeah. I just was not in a good spot. So. That's where I really wanna start today's conversation because that was such an eye-opening moment that I thought I was taking my health and fitness seriously. I thought I was taking my my disease seriously and I wasn't. I just wasn't. So that was such an eye-opening moment for me. And again, these these next 10 years that I run through are what I really want you to pay attention to. I want you to learn from these mistakes because this is where I went on that 10-year journey of trial and error, mostly error. And I spent lots of money just to see yo-yo results, lots of tactics, but very few principles. So let's start with where my mindset was. And that's where so many of you are right now. I was afraid of my future health and I felt willing to do anything to get better. So I did everything. And I started where so many of you do, and that's an overabundance of supplements. I wanna list to you some of the supplements I was taking. This is not an exhaustive list but this is a a, a fairly comprehensive view of what I was taking at any one point. And I was taking most of these all at one time, by the way. These supplements were a multivitamin, fish oil, calcium, magnesium, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin B, zinc, many different kinds of probiotics, carnitine, berberine, digestive enzymes, creatine, glutamine, HCL, greens powders, collagen, vegan protein, whey protein, BCAAs, essential amino acids, NAD, glutathione, ashwagandha, curcumin. Again, this is not a fully comprehensive list, and some of these supplements were for performance, some were for gut health. But basically, anytime I came around somebody or heard somebody say that, hey, this supplement is going to be good for gut health i tried it because i figured why the hell not hopefully it works for me and i still take maybe three or four of these supplements that i just mentioned still today but certainly not that amount and and, and let me tell you what that cost that was around i spent around 200 dollars per month every month for around five years that's twenty four hundred dollars per year that's twelve thousand dollars i spent 12 grand on supplements and i can tell you at no point did that help me? Did those things make the difference in my health journey? Can you imagine if I spent twelve thousand dollars on Bitcoin ten years ago? Sometimes I think about that, and I probably shouldn't. But anyway, you know, I look at this money as largely wasted. It was an expensive lesson that supplements should be used as the name suggests, which is to supplement a healthy diet and lifestyle, not replace it. I know now that supplements can be part of a healthy diet and lifestyle, that supplements can be part of a remission journey, but they can't be the dominating force. And if you follow people on social media, like I did at the time and elsewhere, read read books and follow people online and read blogs, they would have you believe that these are the difference. And of course they do. Of course they say that because they make money off of it. They're a marketing company. They're not necessarily a health company. And that was an important distinction for me to learn and understand. Some other areas, another area where I went astray was with some blood tests, and in spe- and specifically, I took a I took several food sensitivity tests. Perhaps you've seen these before. They're not food allergies; they're food sensitivities, and I'll break these down. And they sound fantastic. They sound like, hey, this is the answer I've been looking for. The test that I took tested 96 foods, so 96 different foods, and it tested how sensitive I was to each one. And the scale of sensitivity is zero to three, zero being Fine, perfect, you can take it, you can, keep, you can continue to eat that food, three being the absolute worst. Most people have maybe a handful of threes, right? Meaning they're very sensitive. I had over 30, over 30 threes, around a third of that list I couldn't eat is how it was described to me, that you wanted to remove these foods from your diet, either short-term or long-term, but you wanna remove these foods from your diet. So this sent me on a highly restrictive diet, and it mentally changed my relationship with food. And this is something I still struggle with today. Some of these foods that are on, that, were, that I tested sensitive to, I still feel an emotional trigger with today. Now, here's what sucks, is I felt better. I felt better on this highly restrictive diet, but, but I eliminated so many sources of fiber unnecessarily. Something like peanuts, for example, they were by far my worst sensitivity by far. And I used to love peanut butter. And only now, like within the last year or so, have I really begun to work it back in and feel confident eating it on a semi-regular basis. I'm not eating it every day, but I still feel a little tinge in my body, a little bit of aversion to it based on this test. And why is that the case, right? Okay. So I, I, I went on this restrictive diet based on this food sensitivity test and I felt better. So what's the problem? You might ask. Well, I didn't feel better because of what the test told me to do. There are, there's, there's a different reason which I'll dive into, but food sensitivity tests in particular are not accurate. And that's unfortunate because they sound so perfect. They test for what's called IgG antibodies, whereas a food allergy would be an IgE antibody. Those are major, if you have, an, if you have IgE antibodies, that could result in anaphylactic shock, right? right where something swells up, hives, horrible reactions. Food sensitivities are far different. And I'm not saying that food sensitivities aren't real. They are. And they can, they can manifest in a number of different symptoms. And they're not usually as dramatic as what you might find in a food allergy. It could be gastrointestinal issues. It could be skin issues like eczema. It could be joint pain and aches. It could be gas and bloating. There are so many different ways in which a food sensitivity can show up as symptoms in the body. But IgG antibodies are not going to tell you if you're sensitive to a food. We have IgG antibodies for a number of reasons, and the exact reasons aren't clear. But we know that if you have an IgG antibody, you don't need to cut it out. These are not scientifically validated tests. You're not going to come across a respected physician who's going to say, hey, these things are something that you should follow. And unfortunately, following this restrictive diet for a long period of time, which I did, worsened my health long term. And this is because of what I've discussed elsewhere in regards to fiber. The reason I felt better was because I had had an inflamed gut, which is why I had so many sensitivities show up because my gut was what you might call leaky, right? Where there uh, there was a breakdown of my intestinal barrier and I had so much fiber and food disrupting and hurting my gut. My gut was just not set up to handle as much fiber as I was eating. So when I removed that fiber, my gut inflammation calmed down. And I felt immediately better because I probably eliminated FODMAPs and some sources of insoluble fiber. I'll post a link to my fiber episode so you can learn more about what I'm talking about and why this makes sense. But this sent me down a road of restrictive diets that lasted for years that hurt not just my quality of life, but also my bank account. So I tried the autoimmune paleo diet, the keto diet, and then the king of restrictive diets, the carnivore diet. And during the following years, trying to feel better, again, trying everything. My intent was in the right place and yours is too when you try anything and everything. I experienced what so many of you do, which is high peaks followed by very low lows. I also experienced pretty low levels of energy, so high levels of fatigue. And I struggled to get out of bed in the morning. And during an annual exam that I went to with my doctor, just an annual physical, I mentioned some of these symptoms, ran some tests and learned that my TSH, my thyroid stimulating hormone was 133. For reference, the average is 0. 0.4 to four. So uh, not in the normal range, not even close. So I was diagnosed pretty much on the spot with Hashimoto's. We ran some other tests to confirm the diagnosis. They all came back positive positive. and this felt like rock bottom to me. Awesome. Now I have two autoimmune diseases. I'm doing everything I can to improve my health. I thought, and now I have two autoimmune diseases. So this felt like rock bottom boy, was I wrong. A short time later, I went through what felt like a typical flare, which felt stupid because I'm on this restrictive diet. What's wrong? Why can't I feel better? Great. Now I have Hashimoto's and I'm on this flare. And it wasn't obvious what set this flare off, but I had the same symptoms that are typical for ulcerative colitis flare. Five plus trips to the bathroom each day, urgency to go, blood in my stool. Normally I would decrease my fiber intake but I was already on a restrictive diet, so there wasn't much more to restrict. I would rest, I would recover, and most of the times I would feel better after a week or so. But this was not the case this time. My symptoms continued to get worse. A little bit over a week, and I was going to the bathroom 10 times per day. I was waking up at night with urgency, right? So I'm, it, the urgency to go is waking me up in the middle of the night. And if, you ever have, if you have IBD or IBS and this is happening to you, that's a bad sign. That's a sign of inflammation or infection. I had more blood. I had no appetite. I was losing significant amount of weight. At at one point, I fasted for 36 hours, hoping this would make me feel better and help me feel better because somebody on mine told me it would. (laughs) And it didn't. I remember driving home one night. This is about 12 or 13 days in. I'm doubled over in pain on the highway. Not sure if I'm going to make it home. And when I did get home, I'm doubled over on the couch. My wife takes me to the emergency room. We did some blood work. We did a stool test turns out my C-reactive protein was 166. Normal is under 10. And my stool test came back positive for C-difficile or C-diff. If you're not familiar with what C-diff is, it's a horrible intestinal bacteria. You can refer back to my microbiome episode so you can understand that your gut is supposed to have an ecosystem of microbes, bacteria, viruses, fungus, etc. And And it's possible that you have C-difficile in your guts right now, but because you have this plentiful, diverse microbiome, it's not going to take over and overpopulate the gut like it did for mine. Most of the times with people, they get C. difficile when they take a round of antibiotics, the antibiotics wipes out the gut bacteria and then that allows C. diff to become the dominant species. And that's what leads to these symptoms that I had, but I was never on antibiotics. My theory is I went on these restrictive diets for so long fiber fuels are our our good gut microbes I was not feeding enough fiber to my gut microbes over a long period of time to where it allowed C. difficile to become the dominant species. So that's my theory. So back to the emergency room, I have C. difficile. The pain I was experiencing was a perforated colon. So the C. diff had created a hole in my large intestine. And now I'm consulting with surgeons on a colectomy, completely removing my large intestine. Thankfully, after two opinions, we decided we could wait and see how I responded to treatment. That's this means I was confined to a bed for four days, no food, just IV fluids, electrolytes, and heavy doses of antibiotics. And this was my rock bottom. I felt defeated again for somebody who takes their health and fitness so seriously, how could I get here? And for three days I asked myself, why me? What did I do to deserve this? I felt like a victim. And I think we've all been there before. I'm sure you've said the same things. Why me with this diagnosis? It isn't fair. And on the fourth day, something changed. I woke up to the most beautiful, bright orange sunrise I've ever seen. I remember seeing later in the day on Instagram and on the local news people talking about this sunrise. And I felt like it was for me. It just, In that moment, this is like at 5.30 in the morning as the sun's rising, my my hospital room is facing east so I can see the sunrise. For the first time, I felt this sense of inspiration, a surge of motivation. This is happening for me, not to me. I'm not talking about the sunrise. I'm talking about this rock bottom moment. I need this. And now I need to find out why this is happening for me. So instead of saying, why me? I started saying, why not me? I picked up my phone, opened up the notes section and immediately began to journal. My, my thumbs were thundering away, writing what was going on in my brain. And perhaps this is my body telling me, pick a strategy, no more of this jumping around. I also determined that I was going to defeat this, like I have everything else. I will overcome it and I'm going to help others make sure that they don't get into the same situation. I'm going to make sure people can avoid this issue, these issues moving forward to help people avoid my mistakes i've always had a talent for coaching and speaking and motivating why not use these strengths for something meaningful for something useful for something worthwhile and no more jumping around from strategy to strategy i was released later that day and i began my journey back to optimal health and, and autoimmune remission. i began slowly ramping up my fiber diversity and the total amount of fiber i ate This took a few weeks to get to the spot I wanted to be in. I didn't try it all in one day. I coupled this with a high-protein diet. No more messing around with low-protein vegan diets. Not to say you can't get high-protein on a vegan diet. It just is not something that I want to do. I coupled it with a high-protein diet. I truly made sleep a priority for me for the first time. I started wearing a fitness tracker, a whoop strap at the time. There's aura rings out there and there's other devices. But I began measuring and tracking my sleep and being protective of it ensuring that I went to bed at regular sleep times and woke up at regular, at regular wake intervals. Make sure that I was spent eight plus hours in bed because that doesn't mean you're gonna get eight hours of sleep. I often got seven or fewer, but at least I was doing everything I could to prioritize my sleep. I got back into my fitness routine and slowly began regaining some of the 30 pounds I lost in the past couple weeks, which felt like, a, felt like everything I had done previously in the gym was wasted. It took some time to get back. But I can tell you within two weeks, of this new plan I felt normal I slowly tapered off my steroids and I felt like a new person within a month I was in remission symptom-free formed stools sorry if that's too much information and during this time I also began poring over research and studies I stopped listening to social media gurus I unfollowed many of them I stopped listening to contradictory messages and I stopped being controlled by fear no more of this, no more of these marketing people influencing my life going forward. I immersed myself in the research firsthand. I also found people on social media and elsewhere that are truth tellers. They're not looking to skew research in favor of their business or their beliefs. They tell me what it is. And I confirmed those same beliefs by looking at the research myself and getting more comfortable understanding them. Now, several years later, I've cultivated a coaching practice which will soon evolve into online programs. And I wanna give as much information away as I possibly can on my website, on Instagram, at my newsletter, my blog, on my podcast, as I possibly can. And I wanna leave you here with these five pillars of autoimmune health. And this is something I cultivated during my lowest moments. This is something I lean on today. This is something that each of my clients learns and develops because I learned that these five pillars are critical that when you're only leaning upon one or two or three, think of think a stool, a five-legged stool, and it only has two legs to stand on. It's tough. It's tough to keep that upright. So we need to build those pillars to keep your health upright. And if you fall out of balance with these principles, look where you're weakest and look to firm and shore up your foundation. These pillars are exercise, nutrition, sleep, stress management, and meaningful relationships. So, I'll go through them again. Exercise. We need to be exercising regularly. I'm a fan of a blend of weight training and cardiovascular exercise, but if the only thing that gets you into the gym and gets you moving is Zumba and yoga, I want you to do it. Nutrition. Eating a wide variety of fiber and a high amount of protein. Sleep. Making sure that you're getting seven to eight hours of sleep or that you're in bed for seven to eight hours each night. Stress management. Stress is inevitable. We will never. Avoid stress. We will never decrease our stress, but we can improve our response to stress. And that has proven to extend lifespan and health span. And then meaningful relationships. Yes, the main person you should be doing this for is you, but without a supportive community around you, whether that's friends, family, loved ones, or people online, a community that is in your corner, this is so much more difficult without that. And I can tell you, that when I had my two daughters, nothing motivated me more than those two little girls. And now I can tell you that through these principles, I'm thriving. My health is better than it's ever been. My blood work is better than it's ever been. My relationship with my wife is better than it's ever been. Again, my family is growing and is a tremendous source of inspiration. It provides me a depth of emotion that I haven't experienced prior to this. And again, as you've heard, it hasn't always been a straight line to success. There have been plenty of dips along the way, much like the stock market. It goes up and down. But if you zoom out over time, it should go up and to the right. And that is what can happen to your health when you pick and choose consistent strategies. Stop doing everything. Stop taking the shotgun approach. Let's get structured with the principles that I referenced. And you can learn more about these principles on my blog and other podcasts that I've gone into regarding these principles, but pick strategies and stay consistent, radically consistent. You'll be surprised at the results you can achieve with radical small change that is consistent over time. My hope is that this story that I've given you, my story, provide you with some hope. I hope that it shows you that no matter where you are or what you've gone through, you're only one or two decisions, one or two behaviors away from changing your life forever. Thank you for taking time today, whether you're in your car, at home, or wherever you may be. I appreciate you choosing to spend it with me. I hope you found great value today, and I hope you stay motivated.